everybody. This is John with Ubaldi Reports. With me is my good friend and co-host, Joe Bintz. And for this podcast that we're doing the first time, we're doing it live on a restream. So we're going to test this out. But the big news of the day and the big news of the past week <clears throat> was the situation in Afghanistan. And this podcast is coming from two combat veterans from both the Iraq and Afghan war. I served both in Iraq and two tours in Afghanistan. So I'm familiar with Afghanistan and my good friend, Joe Bitts, he served a tour in, excuse me, Iraq where he was wounded. Luckily, not fatally, obviously he wouldn't be here with us, but he was wounded in his service to his country in the Marines. That's quite an introduction, John. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't fatally wounded. Thank God. And it does come with it fits in because you and I both, we served in Iraq. You served in Afghanistan and in Iraq. I served in, in Iraq. Uh, a lot going on, especially it really took a quite a, a big turn over the past couple of days with our current administration. Oh, it, it definitely has. Now it started both. I think we got to set the, the stage for this. Everybody wanted out of Afghanistan. Yeah. President Trump wanted out of Afghanistan and so did President Biden. President Trump negotiated with the Taliban to remove U.S. forces from Iraq. I think he said the date was May of this year. But what he did, everything was conditional based. The Taliban had to recognize the current Afghan government. The Taliban had to renounce the cooperation and the support of al-Qaeda. And also the Taliban had to not target or harm any American. Now, can we go a little bit prior to that? There was a peace talk. There was a peace deal working in the works with, between Trump and the Taliban, correct? And that kind of went, that kind of fell apart, right? Well, it, it, yes, it did. they did have an agreement. Now, people need to understand in an insurgency, no matter where it is around the world, eventually to, you're going to have to do some type of coalition. You're just going to have to merge the two, even the Counter um, insurgency experts have said at some point there has to be a melting of the minds between the insurgent and the government if it's going to be stabilized over the long haul, especially if they stymie each other and they stalemate each other, which was the case in Afghanistan. So President Biden comes along and in April of this year, he said, We are going to pull out all U.S. forces by September 11th. Okay, so when he said that, now, was he saying, oh, we're going to be beholden to the Trump or the previous administration's deal? Or is this kind of, I'm the president, I'm the one that's saying, hey, I'm the one bringing back the truth? Yes and no. He said he was going to be beholden to the Trump agreement, but it wasn't going to be May 20. It wasn't going to be May 20, May. It was just extended to September 11th. Okay. But then the optics of September 11th, wasn't the best optics, so they moved it to August 31st. Mm-hmm. So once he made this declaration, the military was going to be pulling out. And then in July, this is when everything turned south. I guess a month prior, the Taliban started gaining strength into a lot of the provinces. They started gaining more and more territory. And President Biden was aware of this, and we still have to see what intelligence what he, what intelligence showed him and then what the military was telling him. Then in July, I think it was July, they left the Bagram Air Base. Okay. And I've been, I was stationed at the Bagram Air Base when I first went into Afghanistan. It's a huge base. Now that was their base. That was like America's base. That was America's base. It used to be a Russian built base. We took it over 
and it was an American and now kind of was like maybe our epicenter for Afghanistan. Strategic coalition forces were headquartered. That was where the battle from was waged. It was easily defendable because it's in a wide open area. The mountain range was so far in the distance. So President Biden said, we're pulling out. And then that night, American forces left Bagram. When did they leave again? In the middle of the night. Okay, what day though? I think it was July 6th. July, okay, so... Two days after the 4th of July. Or something like that. Either July 6th or July 9th. He, we were out. Okay. So two weeks ago, though, they were like saying that they start bringing everybody back. They did. At that point, America pulled out in the middle of the night. The Afghan commander comes to the base in the morning and he looks around and says, hey, where are all the Americans? So when we left the Afghan, the, excuse me, the contractors and support personnel who helped support the Iraqi, the uh, Afghan army, they were gone as well. So then the Afghans were like, what the heck am I fighting? Okay, go back a little bit. The When they start looking around, wondering where the Americans are, I like to call that the divorce strategy, where you just slowly start taking your stuff and you kind of start placing it elsewhere. And then eventually, since you're the only person and you leave, and then someone's looking around, but like, hey, where did, did anybody see Joe? Where did Joe go? Well, but see, but that's the signal where the Afghan army, that's why they fell apart. They're like, we're not getting support by the government. Our military commanders are not paying us and they're taking our money. Okay. We're not getting fed. We're not getting supplied well. And the hell of the aircraft for the, Af- the Af- Afghan, the Afghan Air Force was supported by the, the contractors. Without the contractors, the, the Air Force couldn't fly. Yeah. So people are like, if I'm not getting paid, I'm out of here. Yeah. So then it just st- streamrolled. Uh, uh, streamrolled. It just steamrolled into where we are, this current situation. So the Taliban kept taking more and more. And then in that same month of July, you had Mark Milley, the chairman of Joint Chiefs, and especially President Biden said there's no way in hell the Taliban could take over the country. And there was no way in hell it would be a Saigon-type moment with a helicopter taking who citizens off the roof. And that's exactly what it was. Isn't this like an epic scale uh saigon kind of extraction the difference is in saigon at least in this case the military left and left the civilians behind okay in saigon the civilians left first and the military was on the way was the last people to leave so i have a contact or a source just one source at centcom Mm -hmm. and he said the military centcom which is u.s central command commands all military forces in in the Middle East region, to include Afghanistan, sent a request up to the military command authority. The way the situation works, CENTCOM commander, which is General McKenzie, he reports directly to the Secretary of Defense. He doesn't report to the Chairman of Joint Chiefs. He reports directly to the Secretary of Defense, who then reports to the President. So that request was made up. Now, there was another source I have who's at a senior command at U.S. Special Operations Command, and he had stated that, yeah, that request was sent up, but he couldn't tell me where did it go. Did it go to the, did the Secretary of Defense made that decision, or did it go to the White House who that made that decision? Now, I can only speculate. He couldn't tell me because it was classified, and he wouldn't tell me, and I wasn't going to press him on that because I know how classified materials work. But my indication it was it went to the white house 
because if General Austin approved and disproved it and said no, he was former CENTCOM commander. No military commander would allow to have civilians stay behind while they leave. Yeah, nobody thinking rationally. I'd like to maybe go off a little bit over here on thinking maybe Biden doesn't know what's going on. And I want to, and then the only reason why he's like coming in is to who's ever, I like to think who's ever behind the scenes, maybe making this happen when it's a catastrophe like it is. Or, hey, Joe, we screwed up. You need to help us out with something here because he's not taking questions from the media. He's not, he's like one and done, whatever. If it has something to do with Afghanistan, he likes to throw a little, hey, this is COVID and hey, this is the mandatory, hey, this is FDA approved. And like uh, last yesterday's conver- or, uh, conversation or brief He's, oh yeah, America first. This is what we've done. Ba 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 ba. We've done so well. Ba 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 ba. Here's Afghanistan. And then he just takes. I think the thing with Joe Biden, and is like most Democrats, every president since the end of this Cold War wanted to focus on domestic. Yeah. Nobody had a foreign policy guide or philosophy except repudiate what the other person did so they can address domestic priorities. Okay. But Joe Biden is goes where the political winds go. And the reason I say that, go back to 2001. He was supportive of U.S. intervention in Afghanistan because that's where the political wins go. Then in 2002, he voted for the Iraq War. Mm -hmm. And then even Mm -hmm. months later, even until after we we defeated the Iraqi army and got rid of Saddam Hussein, he still supported it until it went south. Then when the political wins went the other direction, he was against it. And when he was um, vice president under Barack Obama in 2009, Robert Gates, the the secretary of defense under both George W. Bush and President Obama, he stated that telling Obama the military is trying to hamstring you. They're trying to push you into a corner so you do what they want. He didn't want to do the surge into Afghanistan. He was against the bin Laden raid. Mm -hmm. And as Robert Gates said, he's been wrong on every foreign policy decision in the last 40 years. But I know some people want to say he has cognitive decline. I can't go there because I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not around him. But I think Joe Biden reminds me of a former commanding officer I had when I was in a company. No matter what you present to him, he knew better. He knew better and he wouldn't change his mind no matter what was presented to him now the one thing he campaigned on that he would be he would always tell the american people the truth but throughout this crisis and i hate to use this word he's first he said the military everybody in the national security team was all on board with this that wasn't the case secretary of state tony blinken was against this so was General Austin, and so was the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He was overruled. Mm-hmm. And then when he mentioned our NATO allies were consulted, no, they weren't. They were blindsided by this, and they were angered. Yeah. What the British even saying today in various news reports that they will refuse to cooperate with America in any potential military operations yeah. because they under this administration. So what you've done, remember how they beat up Donald Trump on how he treats our allies. Donald Trump never did this. And he, and he got stuff done. Well, okay. Basically, I would think when he, when his foreign policy was that people didn't like it, but he was, they understood he was like the sledgehammer for America. Well, when you say that, it's just like the Taliban. He told them, 
no uncertain terms. And this is not just from Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. This is Mike Pompeo, Megan Ortega, who was the press spokesman for the State Department and others who were on the call and in the meetings with the Taliban. They told them explicitly, these are the conditions. You deviate from it one iota. We're going to stomp you. Now, the Taliban saw what President Trump did to al-Baghdadi, took him out, killed him. They saw what they what he really did to Salman Qasem Soleimani. Yeah. He's the Cud Force commander, stomped him out, killed him. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we could be next. And they, they told him, we know where you live yeah. and we will target you. Yes. But as soon as Biden comes, he showed weakness. Like when he first came in, he's the one that when they went up to this national security team, went to Anchorage, Alaska, yeah. the Chinese equivalent came there. The Chinese dressed the American, they were, they embarrassed the American team. They were dressed them down, lecturing them. And Tony Blinken just sat there. Mm-hmm. So then they saw that he gave up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to Russia. Pipe, Russia can do anything it wanted. He told Russia, don't hack these particular entities in America. Yeah. They just saw weakness after weakness. And they said, oh, this is our time to move. And that doesn't, that's not good for us. It's not because... Nobody wants war. And as we've seen it, and you especially have seen it because you were wounded in Iraq. Thank God that you didn't get seriously wounded, but you were wounded in Iraq. Mm -hmm. You understand war. You've seen it. I've seen it. Nobody wants it. But George Washington once said into a joint session of the Senate and the House, the surest way to preserve peace is to prepare for war. If they know you're strong, and as much as people disparaged Donald Trump, the adversaries didn't know how to deal with him because he was so unpredictable. They didn't know what he was going to do. It's like in the 1950s, from 1953 to 1961, President Eisenhower ran the country. Mm-hmm. And there was many crises. There was the uh, crisis in the Taiwan Straits. There was a crisis in the Middle East. There was a crisis in Eastern Europe. Well, especially in, the, in in Asia, the Chinese didn't know what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And what ended the Korean War, President Eisenhower sent a message to the India, to India, who sent a message to China that because talks were stalemating, he says, listen, if you don't negotiate in good faith, we will use everything at our disposal. Yeah. China, wait a minute, these are the guys that use the atomic bomb against Japan. And he's a general. So he left it ambiguous, but he meant business. Yeah. So I'm not saying we have to go nuke in the world, but when you show weakness, it's it doesn't bode well for peace. How is our current administration okay with this? Because I think they look at it that we need to negotiate. We need to, like an example, Tony Blinken, Secretary of State, was on a, a press conference today, and he did a press, a press meeting with the press. And what he was saying is that if the t- there's going to be some Americans left after left after the the, gen- the August 31st deadline, and then after that they're going to have to ne- deal with the Taliban. And uh-huh. someone had asked him, so what would you do if the Tal if the Americans are harmed? Well, we'll send a strongly worded letter, diplomatic letter to the Taliban. Yeah. That's a sign of weakness, and they know that. Did you see the press brief from the White House today? Yeah, so Jen Psaki's press brief. Well, with uh, what, what? Do you remember what it said? 
Which one? The one that they're like, despite, they're just commending Biden on his evacuation efforts. Oh, yeah. They're glorifying it. This is a very, this is a bad thing. If they knew that President Biden was going to move all forces out, and this is what Tony Blinken was asked, why didn't you better prepare? His answer was, the world knew we were leaving. They should have got up and left themselves. No. That's, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the answer he was given. Oh, okay. So it's like, I go to Walmart with my family and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm out of here. And they're still left at the, in there and be like, you forgot about us. That's what you're saying. That's what he was saying. That's, I, I, I just, it doesn't seem like this. I can't believe this stuff is happening. Well, and everybody's like, it's the same way. Is this a bad dream? This is one of the worst. They're saying that this is the best evacuation because of the sheer number. Yeah, but you put them in that situation. And now that today, 400 American troops have pulled out, or at least retrograding back to the United States. But there's going to be Americans left behind. Has anybody perished? Uh, Okay, aside from our interpreters and stuff like that. Any American citizens, have they? So far, Tony Blinken, that question was asked. Okay. Has anybody been killed? And he goes, as of right now, no. Only one person was slightly injured. He didn't go, he didn't elaborate what that was. But so far, right now, nobody has been killed. But you've worked with some people when you worked in Afghanistan, or when you were in Afghanistan. So you have cooks and interpreters and... Drivers, yeah, and then, but also people that you've made bonds with, instructing or teaching their army as well. Are those guys going to get like uh, a handout? Are they going to be like, hey, come on over to America because you you worked with us? That's the question: is who's going to be allowed to come over here? That's what they're fighting. And right now, they're they're doing extremely um, thorough vetting process to bring them into the United States through third countries. But my question is: this is the same group that allows hundreds of thousands of migrants, illegal migrants to cross the southern border. They're not background checked. Well, off top off topic, the Supreme Court reversed that. No, but I know, but they're still allowing people to come through. Yeah. And once they come in the United States, they're not vaccinated. They're not wearing masks. Many of them have coronavirus and they just get distributed out. They're not doing background checks. Mm-hmm. So why are you allowing them? And this is the same group that's allowed this to happen. We're going to feel confident they're going to be able to handle all these people at a short notice. They're not. Well, because it took them 10 days to evacuate 4,000 people, and they still have maybe 4,000 left. And and that's on the low end. If we, they said anywhere between 10,000 to 15,000 Americans are in Afghanistan. Well, the last number they came up with through Tony Blinken was that there's still 1,500 Americans left. And they say there's some Americans that do not probably not want to come out. But that's misleading because Representative Crenshaw, he was the former Navy SEAL who was wounded in Afghanistan, stated a lot of times people who are Americans have families that can't get out. Mm -hmm. So the families can't get out, so they're not going to leave. And but they're being counted as not wanting to leave, which was not really an accurate portrayal. So there's going to be Americans left. There's going to be Afghan citizens left. And they're going to be at the mercy of the Taliban. Now, right now, the Taliban is out of money. They don't have the financial resource. So are they going to grab Americans and use them as hostages? Well, I want to maybe go back just a second because everybody has seen the weapons cache, 
the uh, the planes, the tanks, the trucks, and all that kind of stuff like that. When they say that there's no money, as they're just saying, still equipment aside, like couldn't they just start selling the equipment? They could sell it to the Russians. They could sell it to the Chinese. They could sell it to terror organizations because you're talking night vision goggles. You're Pakistan. talking Pakistan. So they could sell that stuff. But if they want hard cash, they could capture Westerners and Americans and say, you want your American citizens, we need X amount of dollars. One, two, or a hundred Americans die because of the process. What's going to happen to our president? The way the process works, his poll numbers have dropped to 41% approval. Yeah. And there, Kelly McEnany, who was the press secretary for Donald Trump, said it would probably drop even lower as we get closer to the weekend. Now, the big date is the 31st of August, which is next Tuesday. Yeah, and that's a hard deadline, too. And the, the Taliban was the one that told us that that's the deadline. It was originally our deadline. They took it over and said, we're not extending it. This is the deadline. Why can't we just go in there and say, F your deadline. Okay, we're going to do this, how we're going to do this. Where any American gets touched, we're coming through there and we're, we're kicking in. That's what the former vice chief of staff of the U.S. Army, Jack Keane, who now is the president and CEO of the Institute for Study of War. Early in this process, when all this evacuation you know, happened, the troops had to go back, he said that, they should send somebody down to Kandahar when the, the leader of um, the Taliban first went to Kandahar. Now he's in it's at Kabul and the CIA director met with him. Yeah. And when the CIA director met with him. He said, we want to stay reject. There's four points he wanted to bring up and the Taliban rejected everything. You got to get out on the 31st. Well, what okay. General Keene said is we're not leaving on the 31st. We'll leave when we get all our Americans out. And any Afghan that wants to leave, you touch an American, you harm an American, we will stop you into the dirt. We know where you live. And we put that word out. But right now, the President Biden is allowing the Taliban to dictate. We're we're listening to the Taliban on all this. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be, it's a fluid situation. And I think it's going to get worse, not better. Uh-huh. Because you've got the 30th is when the British pull out because they stated with the Americans leaving the next day on the 31st, we can't patrol the airport or provide security for the airport on our own. So we have to leave. And they're enraged. And like I said, they stated that we will not work with do military operations with the Americans under this administration. Yeah. So when President Biden last week, Sunday, and then yesterday stated that, yeah, our allies have been in concert. They understand what we're doing. They agree with it. That's not accurate. That is that is way off the mark. Our allies are enraged. The G7 tried to convince to stay. The Polish forces just left today because mm-hmm. they can't protect their citizens. So they just grabbed what they could and left. Yeah. So next week is going to be the tough week. And then you've got 9-11 coming up, which is instead of a Somber day. We're going to witness the Taliban flag over the U.S. embassy. You think that's going to? Oh, so that is going to happen. That is going to happen because we'll be gone, and that we spent eight hundred million dollars to rebuild the U.S. embassy, yeah. and then twenty years later, we're giving it back to the Taliban. And the whole reason to go into Afghanistan is prevent Afghanistan turning into a terrorist training camp with Al Qaeda there, 
countless tri- trillions spent on this war. Thousands of Americans were wounded and killed, mm-hmm. and we're just giving it back to the. And then at the same time, we rearmed our enemy to the tune of eighty thousand, eighty eighty billion dollars. Yeah. So when we retrograde, the troops came out first, left everybody behind, and usually when the NEO, which is a non-combatant operation, yeah. it goes civilians, equipment, troops. Now, why maybe when they got the order to evacuate, why didn't somebody in that the ranks of the military be like, whoa, whoa, hold on. This is not how you're supposed to do it. They made requests to the Biden administration from what I gathered on reports. My question is, when this situation transpired last week, the Gang of Eight, which is the top Republicans and Democrats of both the Senate and the House, and I believe it's four in the House, four in the House, four in the Senate, Mm -hmm. they get the top intelligence brief by the president. That didn't happen until tomorrow, until, until yesterday. Yeah. So we went a well over a week where they didn't get briefed by the secretary of state defense and the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff. Why didn't Congress request that? Mm-hmm. Why didn't Congress ask the question, who made the decision to leave Bagram? That would go back and, and Afghanistan. That goes to Joe Biden. Then the question for Mark Milley, the chairman of joint chiefs of staff and general Austin the Secretary of Defense, did you complain? Did you voice your concerns to the president? And then also, did you voice that concern to at least the gang of eight, if not the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee or the chairman and ranking member of both the House Armed Services Committee and the Senate Armed Services Committee, that this was a a bad policy? Yeah, That's your constitutional obligation to inform them of what's going on. Did that all happen? We don't know. Did Congress ask? I don't know. We're doing something new today. Also, we also started something new Saturday too. So why don't we go ahead and let the people watching and also listening later on, tell them what are we doing to get more Ubaldi reports out to everybody. Started on Saturday, we started and I'm getting used to how to use that. So it's getting pretty well. So you can go to Ubaldi reports on TikTok and you can catch some of the videos I do in a minute, 15 seconds. And then I do a lot of three-minute videos on these particular topics, especially as it relates to Afghanistan. Yeah. You can go to Ubaldi Reports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you go to Facebook, just type in Ubaldi Reports. And you go to Ubaldi Reports group on Facebook and check us out there. If you have any questions, just type, go to Ubaldi Reports gmail.com and you can leave questions from there and we've got questions from a few people already and we are live streaming as well and they're going to be monitoring the comments and the feed so if you guys have any questions especially what's going on currently with afghanistan or or anything in an administration john has a plethora of knowledge and he does a lot of research so you'll be able to uh, drop a comment in there below if you have a question. I think that'll definitely give us more to talk about. And then just you know, work with us a little bit on the live stream. We are figuring it out as we go. And with that, everybody have a good time or a good day. And we will talk to you soon. And keep listening to Ubaldi Reports.